they've got another week to go. I, I, I'm not, I don't, it's exciting, you know, how that is, because you don't have to work. You can just sit and listen to people talk. It's a little different for me, but I, I'm learning to adjust. Uh, one day, I'll stand before the ultimate judge and already know my fate because uh, Jesus Christ already covered that as my advocate, so I don't have any fear there of standing before a judge. I invite you to stand this morning as we start a service. We're going to have uh, some great hymns and spiritual songs to sing together and hear God's word. And we'll have four or five, at least four or five different dishes we can choose from for our lunch together. I'm glad to see we got some. I know we got some good cooks out here, so I'm in good shape one way or the other. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your love for us, uh, the fact that you are the judge of the universe, but there's no fear in our hearts because we know that you paid the price for all of our sins. Uh, the rest of the world will one day stand before the, the great white throne. They'll answer for their sins and the fact that they never accepted the free gift of Jesus that you offered. And that's a horrible, horrible fate and thought. But for us, only a looking forward to of heaven, of uh, rewards, of fellowship, and being in your presence all because of you, the, the judge who, who can justify because of what Christ did. And we praise you for that. We pray this morning that you would use these songs to encourage our hearts. And as we sing, to be an encouragement to each other. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to start with uh, a great spiritual song. There's joy in the Lord. Catastrophe averted. All right. So, how many of y'all will testify that there is joy in the Lord? All right. Good. Glad to hear it. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit that God gives: joy, peace, love. There's joy in the love and the Lord, love in His Spirit, and hope in the knowledge of Him. joy in the Lord, there is love in His Spirit, there is hope in the knowledge of Him. There's a fountain that flows like a river from heaven, abounding in love to my soul. All blessing and Glory be given to 
great hymns reminding us of what we have in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on that tree was at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. At the cross where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for crimes that I have done He rolled upon the tree Amazing pity Grace unknown and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well, might the sun in darkness light and shed its glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. There by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can every pain, the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day thank you, you may be seated one of our great scripture songs one that uh Marcia of our team asked us to sing this week. It's one of the verses written in your bulletin from Psalm chapter 25. Good and upright is the Lord, and he will teach 
us his ways. He will guide us. The paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. That's a great phrase that we would wait on the Lord, wait on Him for wisdom, wait on Him for guidance, wait on Him for strength. Um, this hymn is, if you grew up in the Baptist church like I did, they call it a, a, a hymn of dedication, or they used to, they used to have our altar calls a lot in the Baptist church. And if you wanted to rededicate your life or accept Christ, a lot of these, there's a section of hymns that they use. And this is one of those. It's called I Surrender All. But it's a great hymn for every day to sing. <laughs> because God doesn't want us to surrender just on Sunday or whenever we feel like we're getting far away. He wants us to surrender every day and every way to Him. So, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him. I freely give. Oh! 
Sanctify my eyes, O Lord. 
sanctify my hands, O Lord, that I might touch as you touch. Sanctify my feet, O Lord, that I might walk morning everyone. Our reading today is Psalm 62, the entire psalm. Please feel free to uh, follow along in a Bible you brought yourself or one in the pews or uh, be blessed by listening. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He, he only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. Only God is my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression, and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. 
that power belongs to God and loving kindness is yours, Lord, for you recompense a man according to his work. Father God, I praise and thank you for being our only salvation, our rock and our refuge, our only salvation through repentance and faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our rock and our anchor to reality against the lies and gaslighting of the prince of this world, and our refuge when the institutions of this world fail us. Let us rest confidently in the true hope of your return. And Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for Pastor Steve, who loves you, who loves your word, and who loves us, his flock. Let us have ears put in, excuse me, put in your, put in his heart what you would have him teach us, and let us have ears to hear, and let us take to heart what we hear today. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see you all today. I love those last, I loved all the songs, but I love those last two songs. And, and uh, I mean, that last one, Make Me Like You, might be one of my favorites. It's such a good song, such a good prayer, uh, particularly as I think about our message today. I wanted Jeff to read Psalm 62, which he did, is because it's talking about a relationship with God. And, and, and in fact, um, after I made that decision, I said, you know, I need to teach on that. So that was the message I was working on this week because I work ahead in messages. This sometime, I believe, in October, uh, we'll be going over Psalm 62. Anyway, it's great to see you. Glad we can be together as a church family. Indeed, it's a blessing uh, in our, for our lives in this world we live in. We need, need the Lord. We need one another. We need to be together to have the fellowship, the teaching, the worship, all these things. Your relationship with God is by far your most important relationship, and it's a personal relationship. It should be a powerful and dynamic one, one that's characterized by continual communication with God, talking to him. And so today I want to talk about this relationship. I want to talk specifically about your role in this relationship, not so much God's part, but more your part. And there's a lot here. There's... so much it's going to take a couple of weeks uh, as I look about maybe 20 different particular points of how God wants you to respond to him. First one, I'm just going to go over these briefly. I could probably take a message on each one of these, but just to briefly go over these. The first one is, is knowing God. John 17, 4, the verse I've mentioned a number of times, it says, it says, eternal life is this, that you may know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And the key to responding to God, to knowing the role that God wants you to play, is knowing him. And this means knowing him in your mind and in your heart. That is, you have to first understand mentally who God is and what he's like, but also then it needs to be in your heart, your soul, your spirit. But of course, it's not just 
med not, me mental knowledge is not just head knowledge, but it's, it's heart knowledge. That's what it is. It's a soul that's deeply and greatly affected by the truths of God. And you look at the Bible, and that's one of the most dominant themes is the truths that are found about God in the Bible, who he is and what he's like. And as for who God is, you must know that God is God, that he is the Lord God Almighty, and that he is your God, your creator, your savior, your redeemer, your king. All these things are vitally important. Hosea's. 4, 6, a key verse it relates to, I believe, the condition of our country. We talk about, you know, why does our country have problems? And there's a number of things I could say, but I'm going to mention two or three today in particular. But one is Hosea 4, 6. It says, my people die for lack of knowledge. The people in this country in general, I'll talk about in general, for the most part, don't know who God is. They don't know who he is, and then they're not responding to him rightly. My people die for lack of knowledge. In fact, then you know the song we sing, Hosea 6, chapter, chapter and a half later. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And so God was correcting the people there. He says, you guys are dying for lack of knowledge. You're, you're really doing bad, but hey, you need to press on to know the Lord. That's the answer. That's one of the keys is, is knowing him. As for what God's like, you must know that he's loving. 1 John four sixteen talks about that. You must know that he's strong. That verse in Psalm 18, 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. You must know that he is supreme. Psalm 89 says, Lord, Lord of hosts, who is like you? The question really is rhetorical, meaning no one is like the Lord. No one. That whole section, verses 6 through 8, really explains that. You must know that God is compassionate. I'm going to go over these quickly. He's faithful. He's Forgiving, he's kind, he's holy, he's patient, he's sovereign. All these things, all these things. This is what God wants you to know. These things, these truths. So you have eternal life. This is John 17, 4, verse, a, verse, a phrase that's found, I think, 14 or 15 times in the Gospel of John. That's where you really see it the most. It's a big, broad, extremely important phrase. Defined as it said, knowing God and Jesus Christ, and knowing God and Jesus Christ then is, is having this personal relationship with God. The fact that it's eternal means it goes on forever and ever and ever. Your life here is, is short, and, and sometimes it's difficult. We're people, we sin, we're in flesh, we don't know and experience this life like we should, but to think that in heaven it'll be perfect, that's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about. But this relationship with God in Christ is foundational to the entirety of your life. Every day, your knowledge of God and Christ, knowing them and walking with them, it's, it's foundational. If you're having a rough day, a rough week, a rough month, it's going to go back to you're not quite clicking and understanding who God is and responding to him for who he is and what he's like. It's always going to go back there. It's foundational. So if you've got something going on, it's hard. Okay, <laughs> what is it about God that I'm missing today or that I'm forgetting or sort of not believing, you know, whatever it might be. For example, knowing that God is wise, good, and sovereign, and strong is essential if you're going to trust God. How could you ever trust God or anybody for that matter if you don't believe that they're good? I mean, take a, talk about a personal relationship. Somebody is, is a mean person. Well, you don't want to trust him. Or talk about wisdom. You know, you don't want to get advice from somebody if you, they really don't have it together. 
But see, with God, he's wise. You can't trust him. He knows what he's doing. He knows who you are. He is strong. He has the ability to help you. All these things, this knowledge of God is essential to your faith, that key verse that I've said many times. And I, some, I sometimes repeat because I want to make sure you don't forget it. But it says Psalm 910 verse, those who know thy name will put their trust in thee. The converse being, if you don't know his name, and I mean in your heart, not just your head, you're not going to trust God. You won't be trusting him. And so one of your endeavors in life is, I, I want to know God better. That's one of the simple and most basic prayers. God, I want to know you better. Or the Philippians 3.10 verse, I want to know Christ. So that's the first one, it's knowing God. Very, very important. Second one is loving God. Mark 12, 30, you know the verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Remember, loving God, of course, results from knowing that God loves you. That simple verse in 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loves us. If, if you're not loving God like you should, it's going to go back to you're not seeing his love. That, that's one of the keys. There may be other things, but that's one of the key things. You're going to love God because you see how much he loves you. And love, of course, is a huge word. I mean, there's so many dimensions and facets of God's love for us, and we're not going to really look at all those today. But his love for you, then, is it's a great love. It's an eternal love. You know Psalm 136, that classic chapter that repeats that one phrase 22 times. Your loving kindness is everlasting. Everlasting. So it's a great love. It's an eternal love. It's a faithful love, a constant, continual love. Constant, continual love means it's not just that God loves you once a day, Every day for the rest of your life and eternity. No, he loves you all the time every day for eternity. That's constant. That's continual love that God has. What, what a wonderful thing. I mean, one of the things, you know, you, you see this in life or you read stories or all kinds of places, you know, people are upset because somebody doesn't love them like they want to be loved. Or people are looking for love. <laughs> you look to God. I mean, we have to learn to not look to people for love, okay? You can sort of hope somebody loves you. Especially if you're married, you know, have a partner or friends. But don't expect it. Expect God to love you, and he does, and he will, and perfectly so. So, so important. And so, there's no one else then who likes you like God loves you. And God wants you to be smitten by his love. He wants you to be strongly affected by his love. He wants you to be, you to be controlled by this love. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.14, the love of Christ controls me. So we ask ourselves the question, what affected Paul? What made him the man he was? Well, one thing is this. He definitely had a knowledge of God. Talked about that in Philippians 3. But he really understood the Lord's love. The love of Christ controls me. It affects what I do every single day. That's what he was saying. That's, that's a powerful verse. And knowing God's love then will result in you loving him. Result in you thinking about him. Right? It was out to you being delighted with him and excited about him and, and wanting then to, to know what he says, that is wanting to know what his word says. It result in you then talking to him and praying to him and calling out to him. It result in you then being one who wants to do what he says. You're not going to be obeying God, not going to be following his commands if, if you don't really believe he loves you, but if you see that he loves you so much, you'll give yourself to him. Loving God means you don't have idols in your heart. There's nothing, there's no one that takes God's place in your heart. God is always and forever first. That's what is key thing. In a country like this where there's so many things out there, 
so many things out there that can take your heart. We must guard ourselves. Turn to um, Deuteronomy 13. It's an interesting chapter. You, should, you need the whole thing. I'm just going to look at the first five verses. Deuteronomy chapter 13, 1 through 5. And he, he talks about idols. He talks about things that can come after you, take your place. And there's three sections, and I'm looking at the first one. Read this next two. I'm not going to tell you what they're about, but they're very interesting, very strong. But verse, thir- verse chapter 13, 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, which is important. You might be able to say in this country we have different people who say, I'm a prophet or I'm a this or that, and they say all kinds of things. It could be spiritual, it could be political. You hear all kinds of things. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you, gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods. So here this dream comes true. Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet. It comes true. Or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Interesting. It comes true. Don't, don't, don't trust him. Don't believe him. There's only one true God. That's what he's saying. It goes on. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him and you shall keep his commandments. Listen to his voice. Serve him and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt to redeem you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Very interesting. But it all goes back to the end of that verse 3. The Lord your God tests you. And he tests you in all kinds of areas. This is one particular area. But the Lord tests you to see if you love him with all your heart mind, soul, and strength. And so you can broaden that for your own life as you go through life and things are happening, there are difficult, difficult trials come your way. The Lord's testing you. Are you going to trust him in this difficult situation? And so then we continue on. That's loving God. Next, fearing God. Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. A person who fears God sees God for who he is, for what he's like, for what he does. You realize that God made you that God saved you, that God, that God is supreme, that he is sovereign, that he is awesome, that there's no one like him at all. So you respect God then. You see who he is. You're in awe of him. You love him. You admire him. You look up to him. You then bow down to him too. Not just a matter of looking up to him, but you bow down to him. You humble yourself before him. And fearing God, like so many things we're talking about today, is also foundational to the entirety of your Christian life. It is so important. We, we, I, I mentioned before, you know, why has this country got problems? And I mentioned us that people die from that lack of knowledge. This is another one. This is a huge one. People aren't fearing God. And they aren't fearing his law, his word. Therefore, they don't respect man. And we see this. I mean, the, the, the crime is, is terrible. I, I, I just, just get sick of seeing it on the TV and the Internet. I mean, it's just so bad, the things that people do. No respect for God and no respect for man. That's what's going on here. That's what's happening. It's still simple. It's real, real basic. That's what it is. Fearing God. Go to Proverbs, Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verses 
7, 9, and 11. Many verses on fearing the Lord, but again, this is key. As you turn there, I'll mention Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is, the, is to hate evil. Why don't people hate evil? Because they don't fear God. They don't realize that God is watching them. You all understand that point. If somebody's watching you, you may not do what you're thinking of doing, right? We know that God always sees us. We will fear him more. Psalm 34, three verses on this. Seven, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. God's angels are involved in your life. That's what God wants for you. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, you as saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. In verse 11, Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So you're sitting there today saying, You know, I, I think I need to fear God more. You, you take this verse right here. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Listen to me. That's what God wants for you. So fearing God, so important. Next, walk with God. As a Christian, you're to walk with God. We have that verse in Hebrew, excuse me, Genesis 5. Enoch walked with God 300 years. And it wasn't his whole life, but it was most of his life. He must have become a believer. I think it was around 50 or 60. For 300 years, he walked with God. Isn't that classic? I mean, we should say that. You know, here you're, let's say, a believer. And for a while, you've walked with God for 50 years. I mean, that doesn't mean you're, you've been perfect, but there's a level of a relationship and a level of an intimacy and, and a daily and a continuing that, that goes on there. That's what we're talking about. Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So walking with God means you have a relationship with God. It means you're talking to God. It means you're going where he wants you to go. Got it? You're going where he wants you to go. You're doing what he wants you to do. You're fulfilling the purposes that he has for your life. That's what it means. All of you walk every day. Some of these people have these things. They, their steps, you know, did 5,000 steps or 10,000 steps. I was at a restaurant with my wife the other day and talking to the server. And the, and the server, I says, you know, we're talking about exercise. And yeah, I, she said she walks about two miles a day there at the restaurant. Oh, wow. You know, we walk. But the point is this, is as you're walking physically, are you walking with God? That's how to think about it. It's fine to walk your steps physically, but how are your steps spiritually doing? As you're going through the day, are you walking with Him? That's what we're talking about. And walking with God, then, is, 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 is not going to be something boring. I, I, I talk to some people sometimes, and even Christians, and, oh, life's sort of boring. How can life ever be boring as a Christian? How? Golly, it's never boring for me. It's too exciting, in fact. Just slow it down, Lord. Just take it easy a little bit here. Life, every day is different. Every day is unique. Praying, talking to God, talking to people, working at home or working in the church or, or you know, working at some job someplace, doing errands for the Lord, being involved in the church, serving. So many different ways. You know, the phone calls that come in or the texts that come in every day. And, and, and God just wants to use you. He wants you to be walking with him. That's what he wants. Next, praising God. Psalm 145, 1 and 2, classic verses. I will extol you, my God, O King. Every day I will praise you. I'll praise your name forever and ever. I like that because he tells you how often every day and how long forever and ever. So this is an important thing. You understand this in the world. 
the world is, there's, you, know, you, you, you watch something on TV or see something on the internet, and there's some excellent, um, talented person, singer, athlete, or whatever. And if you're watching or actually present, you might cheer or clap or praise that person. And, and, and your cheering, your clapping is a way of, of recognizing, man, that, that person's really good at what they do. Not just really good, but you like what they do. It excites you. I mean, you know, there's adrenaline. You know, you, I watch sports sometimes and a good play, and, 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 and there's that cheering sense that you want to, you want to cheer. You know, football is so huge. It's, it starts up here in the fall the last couple weeks. I don't know the exact numbers. But if you take high school, Friday nights, college, Saturday, primarily now that's about all days of the week except for two, that is Wednesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights, otherwise just football every night. But, but you take all this, the, the pro, the collegiate, the high school, there's millions of people actually have to be in stadiums watching this every week, millions of people. That let alone today, you know, big day today, and yesterday with college. I mean, there's got to be 100 million. Who knows? Maybe 150 million. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't done this study. I'm just estimating here. All these people in their sanctuary, you know, in their place where they're cheering their fans. And, and, but how much more important is it here in this place that we would cheer our God, that we would clap for him, that we would sing to him, that we would worship him? You all know what I'm saying. It's very, very care must be very, very careful to guard our hearts so that we don't cheer and praise people instead of cheering and praising God like we ought to. Psalm 47, I want to read through this. 1 through 7. Oh, clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with the voice of joy, for the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdues peoples under him and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob, whom he loves. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. This Psalm, I believe, is speaking more of the millennial kingdom and as, as believers will be there. I mean, what a time of praise. What a time of worship that will be. Clapping for Christ, shouting and singing to him, worshiping him just the way God wants us to. And again, this is what we're to be doing now and what we'll be doing then in the millennial kingdom and forever and ever and ever. And that's because, again, Christ is our creator. He is our Lord. He is our savior. He is our friend our brother, he is our king, one who is of infinite worth and value. And so we will be. And this really is the most important thing, giving praise to God, honor to him. And it's something he wants us to do every day. In fact, I'll just say this to you, is that every day, I hope there's a time where you're taking time, not just two seconds, where you're actively in your heart or with your voice or your prayer or with your music praising him. Okay, very very important, praising the Lord. Next, be humble before God. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the presence of God. He will exalt you. I believe one of the more important commands. It's a command. Humble yourself. It's what you need to do. We've talked about this before. I'm not going to go into all the different ways you can humble yourself, but there's many. Whether it's prayer or serving or just humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. That's where it starts. You're in the presence of God. It's a spiritual thing. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. 
and then that humility then will be seen as you go out in life and, and live for the Lord. Being humble before God means you fear him, first of all. You see who he is. That he's more powerful you, more powerful than you, and more important you, that all that is good comes from him. Being humble, recognize these things, that, that, that he's greater and more glorious than you. You recognize that. You think about this. And so you bow down to him. You rank yourself under him. You, you humble yourself under him. You see that he is your ultimate authority. And he's the one that he tells you what to do. Being humble is extremely important. Again, it's a non-negotiable for Christians. You can't. You have to be humble. You have to be humble. And I'll say one thing. You all know this. <laughs> if there's a pride there, God knows how to take care of it. You got trials, difficulties, whatever, God's humbling you. There's no doubt. It says it defines trial in, in James chapter 1. It says a trial, one way to define a trial is it's a humbling circumstance. It's a circumstance designed to humble you, and God knows you inside and out. He knows your personality, your strengths, your weakness. He knows exactly how to humble you personally. He knows what you can take. You're his child. He knows exactly what you can take. And he will humble you because it's good for you. And so it's extremely important. If you aren't humble, then you're proud. I say that generally speaking because as believers, there's humility in every one of us. But there's elements of pride because none of us are perfect, okay? In heaven, we'll be perfectly humble. But if, if, you're, if there's pride, a lot of pride, you won't be blessed. Why don't you turn to Proverbs? I'm going to just flip through a bunch of verses here just to read them. There's many verses in Proverbs, many in the Bible about this pride, this humility dimension. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Interesting, the, the first thing where it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, the first thing you to hate is what? It says pride. We continue to turn to chapter 11, verse 2. 11.2, when, when pride cometh, then comes dishonor. With the humble is wisdom. Then we go to 16.5. 16.5. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. You, you all, I, I think you all know some people who are proud, right? Somebody down the street or somebody in your family. I mean, I, I think that's probably true. You can see the pride in them, okay? But then you look at the country, and it's obvious. You hear some of these rulers, these you know, governors or all kinds of rulers in this country. Man, there's a lot of pride there. Whoa, a lot of pride. You read these verses. Abomination to the Lord. Everyone who is proud in heart. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. All the proud people see will be punished sooner or later. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We continue. 1618. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before stumbling. 18 verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And then 29-23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. It's another thing to pray for. Say, Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to be humbling myself in your presence. So, so important. We continue seeking God. 
Psalm 63.1 says, O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So God wants you to seek him. We can seek a lot of things in life. We can go after a lot of things in life. But God wants you to seek him, to go after him, to pursue him, to want him more than any, anyone else. Sometimes as, as a, a believer, you, you might feel like God is distant from you. Ever felt that way? God, where are you? I, I don't sense your presence. You may feel like God is distant from you. You may feel like he's hiding himself from you. And yes, in a sense, though God is always with you, in a sense, that is true. He will prevent you from having those experiences or those feelings because he wants you to learn to trust him no matter how you feel. He wants you to learn to seek him no matter how you feel or how you think. That's what he wants. He wants you to learn to seek him, to actively seek him. And if you do, you will find him. You will discover him. That great promise, one of my, one of my favorites through the years. Proverbs eight seventeen. I, I love you. I love those who seek me, and those who seek me find me. So God has a special heart for the person who seeks him. And what's the result, it says there? If you seek him, you'll find him. And please understand that seeking isn't a two-second thing. That's not the idea of this word, seek. There's a time element here, and I'm not saying how long, but you're not just, again, a two-second thing. It's, it's a little longer than that, whether it's a minute or two or ten or, or an hour or two, or extra time with the Lord, which I would suggest every one of you have on a somewhat regular basis. Extra time with God where you're seeking him. You're going after him, spending time. That means you're praying that you're calling out to him, you seek him in his word. That's what you do. You seek him. And seeking, of course, results in many great blessings. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Chapter 2, a great little section on this here. Proverbs 2, we'll start at verse 1. My son, if you'll receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, talk about seeking God's word as silver, as something really valuable. And search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you'll discern the fear of the Lord. Discover the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Another key to knowing the fear of the Lord is to seek God in his word. Seeking the Lord, critically important for you, every one of us. Next, trusting God. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in God at all times. God wants you to know that you're needy. He allows every one of you to feel that need at times. He wants you to know that you're needy, that you need his help, his protection, his strength, his wisdom. And you need to trust God for him. And if you're not trusting God, if you're not relying on him, then you're not going to have what he wants. But this is key, trusting God to give you what you need. And God wants to bless you. Indeed, the way to be blessed is by trusting him. Many verses, this too I'll mention, Jeremiah 17, 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Such a simple promise, right? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Very similar one in Psalm 84, 12. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. If you're not being blessed, it's because of a lack of trust, or we could say a lack of faith. Definite connection there. In your own flesh, in my flesh, I try to figure things out. That just sort of happens every day of the week. I just go along and 
I'm thinking, but I'm not asking God for his thoughts, his wisdom, but it's so easy for us to trust in ourselves that way. But that's a foolish thing to do. We're made to trust God. As a Christian, you're made then to trust God. And this is one of the biggest things that he is teaching you through life. We've got all of Hebrews 11 that explains this in quite some detail with all these godly men and women through history that were learning to walk by faith. Without faith, as it says in verse 6 there, Hebrews 11, 6, it is impossible to please him. Again, essential. These are essential points that I'm making here. Your responsibility, your relationship with God. So you need to trust him. And as I said before, again, it depends on, on knowing the character of God. That verse in Psalm 910. Knowing that God is supreme, that he is all loving, that he is all powerful, that he is all wise, that he is all good, that he is sovereign. This, this then will enable you to trust him. So again, if your faith is weak, simple thing is just start going over the character of God. Going over the character of God. That, that will help you. That will help stir your faith. You know the verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean in your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. You trust God in all your ways. Every need, every trial, every difficulty, every sickness, every relationship. You need to trust God. More and more, as they get older, you know, you have your little things, you, oh, that feels funny <laughs> in your body that is. What's that about? Say, Lord, whatever that is, take care of it. <laughs> Learning, the first thing to do is not, okay, I need some other pill or I need to call it, oh, no, okay, I'm going to pray to God first. Trust God with your ailments. First thing, always. Psalm 103, he heals all our diseases. That's true to some degree now, and it'll be completely true in the future when we are with him in a brand new body. He'll heal all our diseases. So trust him. Trust God at work, at home, at church. Trust God as you're out and about. Trust him. This verse here, Psalm 31, 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. So you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm trusting you today. As you go through the day, Lord, I'm trusting you. Finally, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night, you're going to bed. Lord, I trusted you today. That's what you're to say. But as for me, Lord, I'm going to trust you. That's what God wants for you to say. And some of us, that may not be easy. We, you know, the flesh still sort of has a control in our life. But God, he knows how to humble you. So you say, Lord, teach me to trust you. And he'll do that. That's, that's, he can do that. He knows how to do that. Next, pray to God. This is, of course, related to, to trusting God. You can't truly pray if you don't trust him. You you're needy, you're weak, you're tempted, and God, of course, wants you to see that you cannot help yourself. You can't, quote, medicate yourself. I just, I'll just mention this. I read this yesterday. But we're, we're not in a world where there's so much attention on us and our bodies and making us better, and this whole robotics and implanted chips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's this one guy, he's like 40, and he says, I'm trying to get down to being an 18-year-old again. And he said, I take 111 pills a day. 111, golly. And other, he does other stuff too. I mean, he doesn't really have a life. I mean, he's just, he's just trying to, he says, I'm down to 37 now, I think. He said, I think I got the body of a 37-year-old. He wants to get down to 18. He said, this is crazy. You know, because you know what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. And that means every which way of death, spiritual death and physical death, your body is just slowly dying. He can't do it. I feel sad for the guy. But there's so many people like that. I mean, it's just it's this tension. We have to be ones then who pray to God, ask him to help us in our weaknesses. 
Ask him to give you the wisdom so you know what to do. Ask him to give you the strength so you can do what he wants you to do. But you should also, and this is so important, pray for others. Pray for others, for the needs of others, for other Christians, that God would help them and bless them. That, that key verse, Ephesians 6.18, it's, it's right after that section on the spirit. Well, it's, it's really the tail end verse about the spiritual battle. It starts in verse 10, you know, goes through verse 18, the armor, all those things. And then it says, with this in view, that is with the spiritual battle in view, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Always means what? All day long. You're alert. You're thinking of others. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Right, of course, you can't do that. But the idea that Paul is, Paul is conveying is that we can't really pray for everybody all the time, but that you do pray every day, and you do pray through the day, and you do pray for as many people that come to your mind. And that's one way to say it. Lord, if you want me to pray for somebody, bring them to my mind. Okay? That's a simple thing. Or you might, you know, you might have a church phone list or people in church and pray for them. That's fine. And you should for sure pray for the people that you're close to, the people in your family, your spouse, close friends. You for sure pray for those people because God has put each of you in a specific world. Your own little world, okay? Pray for those people. Pray particularly for the authorities, whether it's in this church or in the country. And so pray, pray, pray. With this in view, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. One more verse in prayer. This is a good one because, as you know, we all get anxious. We all get afraid at times. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Oftentimes people are anxious because they're not praying. They're not looking to God. That, that's a simple thing. We get anxious because we're not connecting with God via prayer. That's what he's saying. Next one, confess your sins to God. Psalm 32, verse 5 says, I acknowledge my sins to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. As Christians, we still sin. And God is watching us. He knows when we sin. And through the Spirit, and I'm not saying he convicts us of every single sin we do. I don't think he does because he knows that we're but flesh and we're human and but he does convict us of sin through the Spirit. And when he convicts us of sin, he wants us to confess that sin. That's what he wants us to do. The word confess is, is really just means to agree with. We're convicted of our sin, and we agree with God that, that he is right and we're wrong. That's what it means. It's, it's, it's pretty basic. It's an admission of, of guilt. It's telling God that we've sinned in some particular area, that we're wrong, and that we're sorry that we've sinned, and that we want to change. Turn to Psalm 51. Classic psalm. In fact, if there's some area of sin or something that's troubling you, and you're go to Psalm 51. 32 is good too. 51. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Sin, my mother, conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. Hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Great verses about the heart of a godly person who wants to be righteous in, 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 in God's eyes. So as Christians, we, we still sin. We need to confess these sins. We need to get rid of these sins. That's, that's what we need to do. It's like, y'all understand sickness, physical sickness. You know, if you've got some kind of ailment or whatever, then you want to get rid of it, right? Something that just, more than just a few seconds worth or maybe part of a day. You want to get rid of that ailment, whatever it might be, okay? That's fine. That's good. It might be diet. It might be just rest. It might be medicine or drugs. It might be surgery. Who knows? But we're talking here, how much more important as a Christian, the elements of sin, you want to get rid of it. You want to get rid of it. That's what you want to do. And of course, remember in all this that as Christians, we're already forgiven. You know that. When you get saved, when you're born again at that point in time, you're completely made righteous in the sight of God. All your sins are wiped out. But I like what this verse is. This is John 13. It explains it a little bit here. It says, he who has bathed is completely clean. You've taken a bath, you've taken a shower, you're completely clean. The next phrase is this. And needs only to wash his feet. The point that Jesus was saying is, hey, you're already righteous, you're already forgiven, but you need to keep washing your feet. And to keep washing your feet is that idea of you need to keep confessing your sins. That's what he's saying. You're completely clean, you're already forgiven, but keep washing your feet. That's what he says. And so we need to confess our sins. I'm going to mention five things very briefly here. We need to confess our sins if we're to have a clear conscience with God, number one. Number two, we need to confess our sins if we're to spiritually grow in the way that God wants. Your, your growth will be stunted if you're not confessing your sins properly, rightly, as God leads through his Holy Spirit. Thirdly, confession is that which helps you to have a good relationship with God. This is 1 John, 5, 1 John 1. It also helps you to have a good relationship with one another. As it says there, verse one, chapter 1, 7 in, in 1 John. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And walking in the light is another way to say you're confessing your sins. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The final thing is this, is is. is you need to confess your sin if it really be used by God as he wants. This verse, I love this verse. It's probably one of the best. 2 Timothy 2, 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, um, he will be a vessel for honor. He will be uh, useful to the master, prepared for any good work. So... That's what God wants. God uses holy vessels. I've said this so many times before. Just like <laughs> you go home today, there's dishes, dirty dishes in the sink. You're going to start using those for the next meal? No, I don't think you do that, do you? You have a clean vessel. So too, for the Lord and us, we need to be clean before him. The final one here we'll look at today is thank God. Psalm 9.1 says, I will give thanks to God with all my heart. It should be a wholehearted thankfulness. Be thankful means we're recognizing and honoring God for who he is and for what he does for us. That's all. Recognizing and honoring God for who he is and what he does. And he does so much. And, and most of us, to be honest, are somewhat blinded to all the things that God does. This should not be so. You should be thinking, God, what are, what are you doing for me? 
and be thankful for every little thing, every little thing he does for you, okay? I, I, this is a simple thing, but I, I, I go to the pool um, most days of the week for a short swim. And I like lane one, okay? It's because one of the things I do is I walk, and lane one is, is a little bit not as deep. And so if I get lane one, thank you, Lord. He gave me lane one today, okay? It's the simplest thing, but thank the Lord. He did it, okay? So the simplest things, okay? You come down, going down Dale Mabry, and green light, green light, green light, you know? And, and, and of course, when I come from where I live up north, Northdale is about 10 lights, and Every once in a while, we're talking pretty rare, but man, eight, nine in a row, wow, that was good. Eight, bang, just being thanked all the way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you did that. So for the little things, we must realize that. So the point, the point I was saying here is this, is that blessings don't come because we're good, because we deserve blessings. They come, become, they come because God wants to bless us. It's by his grace. It's by his mercy. So as people, we need to know and recognize what God's done for us. And is doing for us. So, 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 so say that to the Lord. Lord, open my eyes so I can see what you're doing so I can then give you thanks. So you can express your appreciation, your heartfelt gratitude to him. Because I tell you, 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 a lot of Christians aren't happy. And I say happy in quotes. Aren't happy Christians because they're not thankful Christians, okay? They're grumbling and complaining. They're not thankful. If you truly thank God for all that he gives you, man, you Exploding with thanksgiving and joy. Exploding. That's what it'll be like. Really true. I mean that. Says this, and um, Marcia writes down verses she sends out every day. She says, it's good to, this is the one for today. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good. It's good. It's good for your soul. It's good for you to give thanks to the Lord. This next one related, this is Psalm 69.30. says, I will magnify the name of God with thanksgiving. Name, of course, is a word that refers to the character of God. Magnify, of course, it means you see something easily. Man, it's clear. It's bigger. The idea is simple. If you thank God for who he is, what he does, then you will see him more clearly. He will be bigger in your mind and your heart. I will magnify the name of God with thanksgiving. So as you start thanking the Lord, you see God much more clearly. You really do. So many different aspects. So just a, a simple thing there, but important. So we've taken some time to talk about how you're to respond to God. We've covered a lot of areas here. And, and, and the point here, we're focusing more on your role, your response to God, many things. And, and I don't know how God wants to lead you in learning these areas, but maybe there's two or three or four. I don't know. Go over the notes, read them, pray, say, God, teach me. There's verses down here. You can look at these. But this is key. We're talking about your relationship with God. How can you grow? Many things here. So, so important. And, and most of them are just fundamentally important. So just ask God to help you grow in your relationship with him. And next week, we've got some more areas to look at. Okay, there's more. And very encouraging. Let's turn to Philippians 3 to close 7 through 10. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Verse 7, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Surpassing value. 
nothing more important. Count all things lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness of, comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you, Lord, for bringing us together here. Thank you again for your great love and faithfulness and all that you've done for us. And might you more and more open up our eyes. We talked just briefly about how you love us. We love because you loved us. But Lord, we need to know your love and understand your love and comprehend your love. We talk about fearing you, and it relates to seeing you for who you really are and the things you're doing. So many things here. And I know everyone here in my heart too as you help us to grow in our relationship with you Lord again whether it's praising or whether it's confessing our sin Lord or whether it's just loving you knowing you Lord just help us just help us Father please help us each of us are at a different place in our walk in our relationship with you, you so help us and we know that you will you're the perfect Father you're a loving Father the, the greatest Father and thank you so much for who you are for us, but just help us more and more then to be the person you want us to be, to grow and to love you, to walk with you, to do all that you want. But thank you so much for this church. Lord, lead us as we go on from here. Help us be ones who are indeed lead, building into the lives of others, encouraging others, praying for others. Lord, help us to be witnessing to those who are lost that you bring into our lives. We ask you for that too. We pray, Father, for protection. We're in a spiritual battle. We need your protection. We are aware that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking to devour those whom we may. So protect us, God. Use us, lead us. And, and even as Ralph and Evelyn driving back, so Samuel on the way from uh, Georgia, Lord, just keep them safe. But keep us all safe, Lord. Keep us strong. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for your blessing. And their lives just continue this transition process, which is getting pretty close to being done. We ask you for that, too. Thank you, too, for this food you give us, Father. We Bless you that you provide all our needs. Just pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple things I mentioned. Uh, Ralph, you might have heard. What, what actually happened with Ralph being in here is on Wednesday he was pulling weeds. What he surmises happens happened as he was pulling. And he pulls weeds all the time here, but poison ivy doesn't hurt him, but it's poison oak probably that got to him. And he put it, you know, you pull it and then you your hands up or your eyes. So his eyes got all swollen. And so he's on Benadryl, he's on prednisone, got a cortisone shot. So he's getting better. And so just pray for safety as they come back here. A few announcements. Work day is next Saturday. Um, and it very well may be our last work day, officially. So I'm not saying we won't work here and help out, but in terms of us leading this as, as we are going through this process. Our men's meeting the 6th of October, ladies meeting the 7th of October. October then. Uh, the retirement journey, I'm really excited about this. I've known Joe for five, six years, and I think a few of you here know him and stuff, but he really is sharp. And, and I, I know that before I went and talked to him, and I thought I understood finances pretty well, but I didn't. There's so much to know. If you're in the, you're, you're late, you're in your 50s or 60s, and you don't find some expert help, you're making a mistake. That's my opinion, okay? And he's really pretty sharp, and he's going to help explain things that relate to where you're at, retirement, Social Security. And you want to plan ahead. You don't want to wait till you're... I mean, you can wait till you're 66 or 67. I wouldn't do that. I'd get a head start. But 
They're going to provide a Panera Bread breakfast as well, of course. That's 10 o'clock on the 28th of October. Um, you see Steve Alton was on, down here naming on October 8th. That's because our daughter's having a baby. We don't know when it is, so he's, he's, he's the, the fill-in. Uh, I mean, we could be, he could be coming this next, next Sunday teaching. or the, we don't, I think it's going to be one of those Sundays, okay, the 1st or 8th or 15th, but we just don't know when, so he's slotted there, and he's already got a message prepared, and he's ready to go. So anyway, um, you want to give to um, the church. We have a box back there. You, of course, give online, or you can send a check to the church, church as well. Thank you. I invite you to stand with us for our last two songs. Great hymn that goes well with Steve's message. It's not really about us. We, we have to have a tender heart for God to know us and to want to reveal himself to us. But he's the one who draws us. He's the one who gives us the tender heart. He's the one who gives us everything that we need uh, to be his children. So draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. Draw me nearer, nearer, 
exciting thing that happened in our lives and it's the greatest thing that's going to be for our future so um, I think we're going to be singing a lot of songs in heaven about what Jesus did and I'd love to tell the story Jesus and his 
benediction is Jude 1 and 2. To those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Amen. Oh, mm-hmm.